It's Friday night. It's 7 o'clock. Time for the sports phone. All right, it's time for another edition of the Sports Phone here on KZYX. Uh, Jerry in Portland, Jim in the Philo studio. Jim, how are you doing this week? Just doing great. I am uh, had a pretty good week at work, and it's, uh, as you said last week, I sort of look forward to uh, finishing that last day and Friday afternoon. I take an hour off work early and take my time going down the coast listening to kzyx and uh driving to the station and getting ready to talk to you for the sports phone so let let me um it's my turn to uh do a little quiet driving here yep Um, not very quiet though if you really think about it what you're about to do no the whole quiet drive isn't that quiet for that fact true but we let's just kind of set the table here before you you start with this we jumped the gun a little bit last week i know what i i meant to do what i'm going to do right now last week so those those of you that heard me last week put up with me like you jer but those that didn't hear it i'm comparing the seeing this a sports show i'm comparing the um the fun drive in general to nba basketball i'm making some analogies here You've got the entire regular season of NBA basketball. I'm comparing that to the quiet drive. You're jockeying for position. You're seeing how your team can do. You're seeing how many games you can win. But you're basically getting ready for the for the playoffs. And that's where it really counts. If you lose, you have to go home. And I hate to use that analogy or that, that um, comparison because if we lose and we don't raise enough money, KZUX has to go off the air. At least, at least that's what we say. I've never seen us not raise enough money to have to go off the air, but I think it's out of, out of effort, you know. So, mm-hmm. anyway, it's now the playoffs. We got one more week of the quiet drive. Last week of play of preseason. Then next week we're on the air begging for money because that means we haven't got to a hundred thousand dollars yet. So next week, be ready, all you sports fans. I would love it if you could call sports phone fans. Call next week. Donate money. Tell people how much you, you enjoy, you know, having one hour of sports uh, a week. And everybody else that's listening, it's time to, to ante up so we can keep this station going. That's as best I can do, Jer. Yeah, and uh, next week will be fun. Uh, we'll be doing the Sports Phone Pledge Drive edition. It's going to – we got some – Interesting variables we've got to deal with for next week, but it should be a good time. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, as, as always. Yeah. Welcome, everybody, to this week's uh, edition of the Sports Phone. It is Friday, April 16th. Uh, if you've never listened to the Sports Phone before, this is an open forum sports talk show. Uh, there's nothing really more to it than that. Jim and I are here. We like to talk about sports for an hour. We like to just chat about whatever is on our minds going on in the world of sports. More importantly, though, we like to listen to and talk about whatever is on the listeners' minds that are going on in the world of sports. We want you, the listeners, to drive the show. If you've got something sports-related you want to talk about at any level, anywhere in the world, we don't really care what it is, where it is, as long as it has to do with sports in some way, shape, or form, Jim and I want to hear about it. And the number to do that is, as always, 707 895 Four four eight. So give us a ring. Let's talk about sports. Whatever is on your mind going on out there in the world of sports, give us a ring, and we are ready and willing to chat about it. Seven zero seven eight nine five two four four eight. Yeah, I I, I I remember almost like ten years ago. Even people say, "Oh, let's talk about sports because it's a it's a nice relief from politics or other, you know, events that are always on people's minds." 
And then over the last five years or so, that that sports or politics, especially professional sports or politics, has sort of melded together a little bit. I've yeah, never it's... I've never seen um, professional sports more involved with with causes in politics and social issues, which I guess social issues and politics, there's a there's a meld between them, too. And I've never seen it all come together more than in the last few years. Yeah, yeah, it's not as separate as it used to be. I, I think there's still outlets to kind of escape those other things. Just, you know, go watch sports for a little while and stuff like that. But it's not nearly as divided as it was, you know, even even a couple of years ago. You know, you don't have to go back very far. Uh, 707-895-2448. Give us a ring. Phone lines are open if you want to talk about sports. It is Friday, April 16th. Jim, what happened today on Friday, April 16th in the world of sports? I always look for some crazy record, this or that. You know, last week I had three. Three, I can't remember, but they were all related. I think they Yeah, you all, cheated. You, you picked more than one last I, week. I you think, broke the one rule we had about on this week, on this day in sports. Somehow they were related. I can't remember how I justified <laughs> it. But this week, April 16th, 1929, on that day... The Yankees were the first team. Now, talk about trivia and irrelevant. The Yankees were the first team to put the numbers on the back of their jerseys and go out and play a game. Now, it wasn't just their favorite numbers like it is now. The Yankees were the first team to put their, on 19, April 16, 1920 time, they put numbers on the back of their jerseys. And they were the order that they would bat in. So the leadoff yep. batter was number one. I assume the pitcher was last, if that's the way it was in 1929. But I heard back then that the pitchers could hit. Whatever. Um, is that how Babe Ruth got number three? I believe so, yeah. That, <laughs> th- yeah, and that's, that's a good one. I, I'd like to see a team bring that back. Just put the order of their batting order? Yeah. Do that. Or better yet, have you have to wear the number of the position you are in the field? Because there's like four, six, three double plays. you got to wear your position in the field or something. Like yeah, you do something crazy like, like that. Like second, second base, yeah, you like, have to wear four every second Yeah, exactly. exactly. But I like that one. It's, it's a good one. Uh, I had one a little bit more recent this, uh, this time. I had April 16th, 1987. Uh, and, you know, Michael Jordan's on here. I obviously have to pick him. Uh, became the second player in NBA history to score 3,000 points in a season. And that was early Michael Jordan. I believe he was drafted in 84? I don't know. I'd have to, I have to look it up to be sure. But, yeah, that, uh, that's early Michael Jordan. Does it count, uh, I, does it count playoffs? Do you know? I believe it does. I believe points in a season does count playoffs because so that is considered part of the season. So he probably played between 90 and 100 games and he scored 3000 at least 3000 points, huh? Yeah. Yeah, I'd have to t- I'd have to look it up because the yeah. the, Bull- the Bulls were not very good in those early years with him. But yeah, I, I believe it, it probably included the playoffs. The Bulls but yeah, didn't that is win the- Jordan's first couple years. Wait, he broke yeah. his ankle too, right? Didn't he? Yeah, he hurt he hurt his ankle his second year. And then they just weren't that good for a couple of years just because the team had been, you know, the team had not been very good for a while. It's it, there's there's mentions of that. They talk about it a little bit in the documentary that came out last uh, was it last summer, I believe, yeah. uh, in the last dance. How, you know, there were guys, you know, smoking cigars and drinking alcohol at halftime with the Bulls and stuff like that when Jordan first got there. And he kind of had to turn that that team around culture wise. Huh. Oh, 707-895-2448. Give us a ring if you want to talk about sports. Whatever is on your mind, we're ready to talk about it in the world of sports. 
Uh, Jim, as always, you like to ask about what happened today in sports. Today. this um, Yeah, today, today in sports. So I've got one from this morning. And it was funny. I texted a buddy of mine about this who's a big Utah Jazz fan. And I, kinda, I asked him, like, is this a big deal? Are you surprised? And he was very surprised. Uh, three-time NBA champion Dwayne Wade, known for his years with the Miami Heat, and has LeBron. purchased a partial ownership stake in the Utah Jazz, which is really random because I, I texted this buddy of mine who's a Utah Jazz fan. I just said, does he have any affiliation with the Jazz that I wasn't aware of? And neither one of us could come up with anything. But uh, he now has joined the majority owner of the team, Ryan Smith, uh, and is now a partial owner in the Utah Jazz. Did he buy someone out, do you know? I don't know. No, I, I don't know the details of it. But what I did think was interesting about it is that it, it's continued this recent trend, though, of former athletes getting oh, yeah. involved in ownership. And, and I know it kind of has come and gone. Like Michael Jordan, I believe, is the majority owner of the Charlotte Hornets now. Um, but there's been a lot of them recently. So Grant Grant Hill, he's a partial owner in the Atlanta Hawks. Shaquille O'Neal is a par- partial owner in the Sacramento Kings, which I think is hilarious. Uh, for a lot, you know, yeah, just with the, the, the history of them. Uh, Magic Johnson had previously had a stake in the Los Angeles Lakers. And then the big one that made the news earlier this week, just about six days ago, I don't know if you saw this, uh, Alex Rodriguez oh, yeah. uh, is purchasing the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Minnesota Lynx, the two NBA, the WNBA and NBA teams, along with uh, another uh, investment uh, partner. I think that... It's not just good athletes that would I mean it takes a lot of money to do this kind of thing. Right. And right. and all the people you've mentioned will highly highly endorsed players. They made a lot more money than just their salaries and and right. um, I also think it means that they were they're not new to doing business. No, you know, no, especially someone like Alex Rodriguez. He's actually, uh, and Jim, you know, I watch the show religiously. He's been on Shark Tank multiple times. I, so, like, he has a business and investment portfolio. I turned it on. I don't know why. I don't know if it was, I was at home or I was somewhere. And all of a sudden I saw, I said, is that Alex Rodriguez? And yeah, yeah, he, he was yeah. on Shark Tank buying. So, and, and you know, Magic Johnson was, was famous for investing, being an entrepreneur. I mean, he 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 invested, and in, I wonder how he's doing in the uh, movie theater business. He owned hundreds <laughs> of movie theaters. Probably not very well right now, yeah. if I if I had to guess. But uh, yeah, it, it's a cool trend. I, I do like to see these former athletes getting more involved, and you know, having the resources to to get these ownership stakes. I know LeBron James is expressed his interest in that already like i'm sure at some point he will become an owner of some way shape or form of some professional team out there uh so it wouldn't it would not surprise me but you know these athletes are getting more money they're getting resources it's good to see them kind of take take the reins of of the teams at at that high a level 707-895-2448 give us a ring if you want to talk about sports we're about 15 minutes into the sports phone here got another 45 minutes to go so give us a call if you want to talk about sports 707-895-2448 well seeing we have no no calls right now should we can take that for a 15 minute loss and should we (laughs) Look at the worst losing streaks in sports history. Sure. I I think that's a good idea. And the reason Jim and I kind of went with this topic, and I I actually sent it to him last week, and I think we started talking about it a little bit. Um, 
uh, just losing streaks in general was I, I think I started it with the question of or do you find losing streaks or winning streaks more interesting? And Jim kind of oh, made I answered the point. that question. Yeah, you did. You answered it as saying I think it's more. Int- I find them more or less interesting, not if it's a winning or a losing streak, but depending on the teams involved, whether right, right. you know a team is winning or losing, that is where you get your interest. But this list, it's funny, how it goes back quite a ways, and it was almost like, in a way, Jim, just like kind of a, a walk down memory lane of sports in a lot of ways. It's like, oh, I remember that in I some know, way, shape, I, know. I, I thought of that, too. Let me take a call. Yeah. Down you're on the air. Turn down your radio. Hello, you're on the air. Well, they were on the air. Call back. I um, I heard the radio, and then I heard heard a hang up. Uh, 707-895-2448. Losing streaks. I remember what I said now, so I want to say it again and see if I can make it sound better this time. Is any streak is exciting to me if if it's a team I'm interested in watching. And right. w- what I found out, and I hate to say it, but I found out because of the Golden State Warriors that I enjoy watching teams that I love to see win, Los Angeles Lakers, New York Yankees, Mendocino High School, teams I love to see win, I love watching them play because I want them to win, and I I love watching teams play that I want to lose. I like to watch them. So when the Warriors got so famous and everyone jumped on that bandwagon, I loved watching them because I was was, was hoping they lose. So losing streaks, winning streaks, if I like the team – I, I like to watch them. Yeah. But uh, I don't think the Warriors have had a losing streak in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> Not a, Well, they were pretty bad last let me, year. Let me hear one of your favorites. So one of my favorites on here is one of the things I, I really liked about this list um, it, when, when I found it was it wasn't just all like mainstream professional sports. There's some and that's what I thought was so fun about it, it was like there's some amazing losing streaks out in the world that you just don't know about because they're not on ESPN. They're not, you know, it's not the NBA. It's not this and that. And so the one that kind of got my attention immediately was uh, a college basketball losing streak. Um, The Caltech, I believe it's Caltech university Beavers. If I, if I remember correctly from my time in the college sports industry from 1996 to 2007, they were, part of a 207 game losing streak uh the the thing about this losing streak that's so fascinating is if you expand it out they actually as part of this losing streak there was a conference losing streak of 310 games by the same team by the same team so even after they broke their even after their their overall losing streak was broken uh, in 2007 when they when they beat it when they beat Bard College they still continued for another 4 years to have a conference losing streak that kept going so and this is funny cuz like it's well not funny but it, it's just it's one of those things where you know it's a division 3 school you don't talk about it a lot they're in Cal- they're in southern california they're the as you call them they're the MIT of the west coast they're not expected to be good at sports but because of that, there's the opportunity for them to lose 207 straight basketball games. What's what's how how big was the span of years again? It was from 2000 and it was excuse me, it was 1996 to 2007. As comparison, I, I see Towson basketball 
that's that's, that's a division one school division one school they lead the division one losing streaks in a row they lost 41 games in, in a row the 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 uh biggest in division one history 707-895-2448 if if your little league team or or your high school team if you were on one of those teams that just lost every year or for one whole season let me hear what it was like i, well, I don't remember being on a team that lost a lot of games in my life well like, jim on, on that note I, you weren't part of the team but if I remember correctly, and, and, and if you don't have the details for this, we can kind of sidestep this. But if I remember, when you were coaching it at Mendo, yeah. you played a team in a tournament every year down in the in the I think Santa Cruz area that, yeah. that didn't win a lot of games. Like, did you ever talk to their coach of, about that experience of like just losing as much as they did? Because they had they probably had some bad losing streaks. Well, th- that team was Pescadero, and I sure they they had so many. Um, you know, 10, 15, 20 game losing streaks, you know, being one in 20, one in 19. But then they always got to play a team like Geyserville in their tournament. So now and then they'd and they would have it, a chance to win. They'd right. Make it out. But I don't know if you brought this up because of the conversation we had or not, or is this just a coincidence? But I spoke to their coach once because I was against, you know, in a, in a bigger high school. Jerk, let me come back to this. We got a call. Yeah, for sure. I, I want to tell you tell you this story. I forgot about it. Hello, call. Yeah. You're on the air, gentlemen. Good evening, hey, Vince. Vince. You got a losing streak to tell us about? I did. Well, I'm just like you know, Jerry's talking about us going down to Pescadero and playing teams that lost all the time. What about? What ever have conversation with players from Geyserville? I mean, when did Geyserville ever win a lot of games when you were there? I, mean, I know at one point they were decent, I'm sure, in our in our league. But when you played against them for those four years, they were never good. They Did you ever been talk good. to their players? I I have, and and I've talked to to the coaches too. Yeah, so I mean, it's the same thing. It's it, we we played in a league of ups and downs. You know, I mean, while I was at Mendo, we never really had a big downtime in, in boys basketball you know, or even in girls basketball really for the most part but Potter Valley did you know can I uh, AV, AV did uh, you know any of those teams did for the most part so let me, let me interrupt you for a second Vince I, I agree with you and Jer back me up on this if you can if not um, tell me I'm wrong <laughs> okay. is, is there's a level of that Vince the chances, and, and you know me, what, what was my favorite statement? To, to I bring this team together and say, now we're going to talk about math. And math right. was important in basketball. So there's math involved with this explanation. You have a better chance of consistently losing in our league when there's 19 boys in your school, like, like in Geyserville. Versus, sure, exactly. versus So yeah. Geyserville having ups and downs those years when they had you know 26 kids in the whole school or whatever it was something crazy like that they would win three games that'd be an up year winning no games would be a down year whereas in mendo a bad year um was not winning league right. not winning yeah. league or or being 500 yeah right. so so right. exactly so all teams my, have my... ups and downs but but there's yeah. a level of that so go ahead well my my point was just like 
comparing the, you know, using the Pescadero tournament, I, I think we always knew going down to Pescadero that the majority of the schools there in the first two rounds were kind of Geyserville, Potter Valley schools. And then in the final round, you would actually play a school more comparable to yourself, which is why the Mendo boys almost always made it to the finals against right. BCC or Archbishop. Right. You know, you, it was like three, three schools were comparable. Two of them and, you know, semifinal. So, it, it, to me, it was like, well, what was it like playing against Geyserville? Because they had to, they were on a losing streak for years. Like it was, they were never going to have a winning season. What is that like to be? Because I hated, I hated going and coaching those games. Like it was okay, Jer. What did I say to you when I was coaching and you were a player and we went to Geyserville? Do you remember what my pregame speech was? I rem- oh boy, I'm trying to think back here. Yes, do you remember? I, I, I'll, 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 well, hold on. I'll, I'll think. I'll get through it. If I had to paraphrase it, I believe it was along the lines of: you're either gonna you're gonna win. It's a matter of do you want to get something out of this game or not. Exactly. It was a, it was a matter of yeah. do you want to win by fifty and work on things and and be efficient, or do you want to showboat, not take the game seriously, and win by ten. Or, or win by 30. Was, you know, that's whatever. a rough yeah. paraphrasing of, of your presentation of it. So, yeah, and, and, and it was also, they can play as good as they possibly could ever play, and you could play as bad as you could possibly ever play. And you're still going to win. And you're yeah. still going to win. So, so that's how I started it, Jer. And then I would say what you said is, what are we going to get out of this game? Yeah, and, right. and I definitely wasn't a coach that said, we are going to get more out of the game if we win by 50 instead of, 10 or 20 that wasn't my point but right. and and to go Vince to go to your question kind of like the perspective of the the, the the other team the team that was on the losing streak I I think the only experience I kind of have with it is I think the expectations set by not to put too much pressure on coaches but I think the expectations set by the coaches I think was was really important in those types of programs and I hate that we keep ragging on Geyserville here because, because but it's just like it's oh. the example from our experience from in our era. exactly yeah. exactly there, there I'm, not, I'm not knocking Geyserville at all they they always right. played in my opinion class they right. enjoyed getting their butts beat by us in a way we always felt like we did a good job of not disrespecting them and right. still won by 40, and they would shake their hands at the end and be smiling and laughing. I, I had great Geyserville experiences for sure, and it's where my favorite phrase from Jim came, which is the good enough. You know, sometimes... You're breaking up, Vince. Well, this is where... Is he Sorry, back? when Vince was cutting out there for a second, I just want to say this is this is oh, a really sorry. good segue to what I was talking about with expectations kind of set on the end of the team that isn't as good because my junior year, to go back to this example, Geyserville had a coach who had way too high expectations for a team that was going to win maybe two games that year. I and I, and, and I think yeah. and I think that that bled into their team where they got a lot more frustrated because they weren't able to get value out of games in a way that, Jim, to go back to the story you were going to tell, you don't need to necessarily tell it, from where what I heard, the coach down at Pescadero, even though they didn't win a lot of games, they still knew how to get value out of the fact they were going to lose 10, 15 games yeah. in a row by a lot of points. I, I'd like to bring that up. Yeah. Now that we don't have a lot of calls and we have Vince, we're, we're getting into some heavy-duty philosophy here, and I, and I like yeah. it. 
Yeah. Um, so what I was going to say, Vince, before you called in, I mean, you, you kept the conversation going. I appreciate that. Is one Pescadero had the same coach for um, 10, 15 years. So he went through and he never started winning. And and I right. got to know him and we, we got invited to his tournament. You remember um, Casey. It's Casey. Right? Yeah. yeah. And Vince, you got to yeah. know Casey yeah. a little bit. Oh, yeah. Maybe the pride of small school basketball. He he was a superstar, in my opinion, of small school basketball. I mean, he was in charge yeah. of the the Hoop Dreams Dreams Classic at Pescadero. So so anyway, I went up to him, but when I didn't know him in Geyserville, at the Geyserville tournament, and I said, Oh, I remember. Yeah. And, and we beat that. We had just beat them by by thirty or forty or or maybe seventy. I don't know. Could have been ninety to ten, and or whatever it was. And I said, and, and I went over him like, like, uh, tentatively. And I said, Casey, I, I don't really know you, but, um, you know, I, we, we just beat you by, by 75 and, and did, did we, you know, did, was it embarrassing? Did I do a bad thing? You know, cause I, I had respect for this guy and he like looked at me and put me in my place. And he said, everyone does this to us. <laughs> I said, you, 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 yeah. you, 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 why do you think you're, you're, you're special doing it? Everyone does this. And, and he got down to my level and he said, what I appreciate about your kids is you beat us with class. You played hard the whole game. You didn't make fun of us. You didn't play games with us. You played the yep. game and there was no showboating. So it was one of my favorite attaboys to myself that I've ever, ever yep. had is that this guy who lost every game, said we lost with class, and that's all I could ask, you know. One with class. Hey, hey. Yeah, he yeah. lost with class. Yeah. And, and, and we, yeah. he, he, yeah, I, I was proud of myself. Yeah, go ahead, Vince. Yeah, well, well it was always, it's kind of weird too, Jim, because you always kept eight to ten kids on your team, so it's really right. not like you could put a third string in anyways. Like, you, you almost, <laughs> you know, if you're going to beat a bad team badly, you really could never go to a beat bench to. <laughs> well, that was one of my one of my go, one so of my goals. It was nice. It was nice to know that all eight to ten kid, kids on that bench were were playing with the the dignity and the class. You you're getting those kids ready to play the game in the right way, and it's great for him to have made that comment. But that's, you know, I mean, if you're gonna coach in those environments you have to be acceptable of those moments i mean it's just like if we went to a d5 playoff game you knew what was going to happen <laughs> you're you know yeah. you, you had to be prepared for that yeah we were really good in d6 but d5 playoff we're probably going to lose by 20 30 or going to the anderson valley uh the redwood classic for a few years there you know like that mm -hmm. was definitely going to be a a a, a a wake-up call or just kind of a preparation of what real organized basketball could be sometimes. Yeah. You know, yeah, Jerry, you, 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 you played four years of Redwood Classic and took your thumbs. So I remember a lot of the really good years early on where you guys would be, un, you know, winless in preseason because the tournaments were so tough. I remember going you know, And then you, you, you took that into the league, league play, and you would win league because you were prepared for that by having a nine-game losing streak in preseason. So it, it does have yeah. its moments to have those, those down times. Cloverdale tournament was even harder than the, the Redwood oh, Classic. That, <laughs> yeah. that, was, that was the worst one, Jim. Good grief. Yeah, that, yeah. Good call. Because yeah. that but was it, Potter Valley, again, right? though, to, I think, to, or Geyserville. 
Yeah, to, to kind of go back to, to the point, though, I think expectations were super important. Like, we didn't, like, we didn't want to lose nine games in a row to start the year, but we knew the possibility existed and we knew we were getting ready for, you know, the, the next step kind of thing in the regular exactly. seasons. Again, I think Jim and, and, and any, any of the coaches I had those years, we didn't go into those losing streaks with a certain expectation, right? I think that that was so important to how we reacted. Where like we, after losing, I think it was seven, eight games in a row my junior year to start the year, we didn't have a bad reaction to it because I don't think we had had the expectations set on us that we were a failure if we lost the, if on the yeah. if we went on this losing streak. Seven zero seven. Eight nine five two four four eight. Jump in here. I'd like to hear about your losing streaks. Uh, I, I I do I do have a quick stump the caller or stump the host if okay. I can yeah. throw that in here real quick. Go ahead, Go ready. It. All right. Why did Babe Ruth wear number three? Uh, I Lou Gehrig number four. Why? What, what? Why did players early on wear the numbers they? I want to ask you a question first, but I know the I, I know the answer to that. You didn't listen to the sports phone, Vince. I'm going to take another call. Get back to that, and I'll tell you why I know the answer. All right. Thanks. Hello, caller. You're at. Hello, caller. You're on the air. Yeah. Hi. Um. I'm Matt from uh, Willits. Yep. Hey, Matt. And uh, I refereed uh, a game a long time ago with with Geyserville. <laughs> and you know, I thought they were it was like a, a very like a historically bad team for them even because all the kids had been just like literally their first year playing basketball sure and then they beat a Tescadero by 20 <laughs> and I thought oh that must be the worst basketball team in the state <laughs> we were just Pescadero yeah yeah Pescadero I can't remember the exactly but they were really bad too and it's like and yeah, so that was probably the the low point for Geyserville. But the the kids that all started playing that year, I think. And they had like six kids. Yeah, I, I remember those teams. Yeah, I mean, was could this have been in the um you know, two thousand six, seven, eight time? Is it right around then? Yeah, and they had a young a very young coach who was pretty intense. I, I think that's the coach you were talking about, Jerry, the one that went on and he went on. He actually went on and had a really good career, from what I've heard, doing club basketball in Santa Rosa. And he worked. Uh, oh, okay, yeah. Hey, is yeah. is this by any chance? Is this Matt, mine, one of mine and Jerry's favorite refs during our high school careers? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm one of your favorite refs. It, no, that is the same Matt. I, I can't remember your last yeah, name. Yeah, it is the same Matt. I you know, live in Willits. Um, Jerry, do you remember Matt? Some of the, yeah. <laughs> Jay. I don't, but but now that Matt has identified himself, Matt, I've asked this question before when we've actually interviewed <laughs> officials on the show. Do you have anything about refereeing Jim Young games that stands out to you? <laughs> no, not really. I don't. I, didn't you I don't ask that any, to Jim? Didn't, didn't you ask that was, to Jim Franklin? He was once? winning, so it wasn't like uh, <laughs> he had something to be upset about. <laughs> Jim, Jim Franklin. He asked that to Jim Franklin once on the yeah, air. Yeah. And I think Jim Franklin said he just sat there and didn't didn't make any noise. Didn't or do something. Much. <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't recall anything. You know. Oh, good. 
Uh, but I have pretty thick skin that way, too, though. So I appreciate you you're reffing all those games. I just remember, you know, I, I'd always sit there, and Jerry would, Jerry would, too, especially when we were working together. And, and and Jerry would we'd be sitting there waiting to see who would walk in. We wouldn't know who the refs were going to be until he walked in the gym. You know, we'd see Jim Franklin and and Donnie and and you know, Summit walk in, and we'd say, "Oh, great!" And you, you were right. on that you were on that list. Thanks for the call, Matt. All right, thanks. Bye bye. Yep. That's fun. so. Real, real quick uh, to get back to Vince's question, um, Vince's uh, stump the host question, uh, Vince. Now that you're listening, uh, you, I think you missed the beginning of the show. That was actually our on this day in sports was that the Yankees <laughs> wore the numbers one through nine to indicate their batting order. Uh, so that is the answer to your question, which we discussed a little while earlier on the on the show. But that's it was. It, see, the thing is, if, if we hadn't noticed that on on this day in sports, that's a great question. That like that's been. still a great trivia question. We just happened to know the answer because we were looking at on this day in sports. So my question is. Did Vince see it on this day in sports? And he he was taking it as a trivia question. We Possibly, were, I was taking it just as a great fact. That was yeah. the, and that was the again first time anyone wore numbers in the back of their jerseys. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And to kind of put a little context to that, if you're new to the show, uh, Jim and I are are open and embracing of trivia questions. We we love to get a question from a listener if they think they can stump us. Uh, I think between the two of us, we have decent sports knowledge. Uh, last week, we got a question um, about uh, high jumping, and we actually knew the answer to that right off the bat. Oh, um, so if you've, got, if you've got any questions and you want to uh, you want to try to stump Jim and I, feel free to throw it out there. We love a good sports question. 707-895-2448. Give us a ring if you want to talk about sports. About 25 minutes left here on the sports phone. Um, I got Jim, a call, if we sir. didn't... We got a call. Okay, on yeah, the, let's do it. You're yep, on the sports phone. <clears throat> okay, so <laughs> I had that prepped for the last five days. <laughs> no, no idea it was going to pop up. I missed the first five minutes of the show, and I missed this, <laughs> this week in sports, so you've got to be kidding me. No, but I've that's had that great. lined up for five days, and you guys opened the show with it. Yeah. Unbelievable. I think it's the oh. second time something like you, you miss the first couple of minutes and you no know, oh. once once you miss the first couple of minutes and you had the same the same this day in sports that I had. Yeah. I I, yeah. I give you some homework, Vince. I challenge you to come up with another trivia question because we oh. answered that one in thirty seconds. Oh. Oh. oh, I'm going to, but I do want to. Did you guys ever announce what the illegal stroke was in swimming? The illegal from last week. What do you mean the illegal stroke? No, well, last, we didn't. last week, yeah, I, last so, week it opened with the ahead, high jump, ahead, and then you mentioned a swimming oh, oh, right, event right. that was that was questionable because of a, a, a new stroke or something. Did you ever actually say what that was? No, I had, we didn't. I, I had I, said Jim stroke. and I discussed it off the air, and I know the answer now. But but we did we never did reveal it. Okay, so are we letting that roll, or can we reveal it so I know what was? Not you know, I said breaststroke and that was wrong. So, what was the actual swimming stroke that was uh, changed or was done differently and it caused a change? Jim, do you want to re-ask the question quickly and then we can just give the answer? Jim, you there? Hang on there. I'm going to take this other call in a, in a minute. It it is the backstroke and. Yeah, it was the back. It's if you've watched it, there's a whole new way to do the backstroke on your back. They're setting all the records, and the big argument now is 
will it be legal in the next Olympics? Got to take another call. Thanks, Vince. Hello, you're on the air. Hello there. Burton. Hi, how are you? That's all it took. We've, we've missed you on the sports phone. Well, well, I'm here to stump the jumps. Oh, good. Let's do it. Okay. Um, and, and then I'll give you the backstory as to how I got around to deciding to ask this particular question. This is a, a person from sports, a man from sports, who is well-known for, for, for something special. Um, I'll even put it into football, in professional football. Okay. And um, this person was chairman of, uh, and this is, keep your hands away from the keys there, young guy. Um, okay, okay. Chairman for a uh, national hypertension awareness program for the pharmaceutical company AstraZeneca. Whoa. That's it? That's Those are all the clues? Oh, okay. You want another clue? Um <laughs> Let's see, did some TV after he was done with football. Huh. Pro football. Um, it was football. Someone really good at football. And um, uh, retired from the game, I'd say, mid-70s. Did some, foot, did some TV. Um, I'm going to take a stab at it just because I know he did something with drug companies. Joe Montana? No, Joe, Joe Montana was a lot more recently involved with the game, too. Okay, sorry. I just had to, had to shoot at it. So, Burton, this may be me overanalyzing, because I like to do this a little bit. And it, it's the reason I got the answer for the high jump question. Um, I, I, Burton, to be, to, to, before I start, I don't know the answer to this question, and I, I didn't look it up. I, did, I, I knew I had you guys, okay? So anyway. Yeah, <laughs> but what I will say is I don't believe this is an NFL player. And the reason I don't believe that is Jim asked said NFL, and you very consciously, in my observation, dodged confirming that and just said they were a good football player. So well, okay. I don't think well, this is no, someone NFL. that ever made it to the okay, NFL, NFL, but possibly was a college player that then went into television. No. But that doesn't let's, help me know no, the answer. But let's, I, let's, I don't think this guy made it to the NFL. that. Let's clarify that. NFL. Okay. Okay, it's NFL. Okay. Now, Jerry, okay. Get, get on. Don't listen to Burton. Get on Google and come up with an answer. <laughs> no, I'll, 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 I'll give, give somebody else a chance if they you, know the answer. I'll give they you want a to really call in. funny um, roundabout way I came around to that question for you, and then maybe it'll start a, a whole new uh, branch for your show for a few minutes. Because <laughs> you said I can do that sometimes you just by that. calling up. Yeah, you do that sometimes. <laughs> okay. Um. This is uh, someone with, who was with the Rams for 11 years. And this has, because it's Astrovin, this has nothing to do with COVID at all. This is. Absolutely. No, this yeah. is pre COVID. This guy's yeah. been dead for a while. Hmm. It's just, I, I was just going, well, how do I want to play this? Cause, cause, anyway, so this is, this is a man named Deacon Jones. Oh, I know, I, I know the name. Huh. Deacon Jones, who. Uh, after he got out of the game, I believe they, they made a, a, a rule against his, his, uh, his move that made him so effective. He was a, a defensive end, and he'd, he'd get past the line, and he was really fast. And what he did was he hit the side of the helmet of the guy in front of him on the line. It would make him shut his eyes. It was called a head slap. And it made the guy shut his eyes, and that's all he needed to get by him. And he was already really fast, and so he came from 
the side, came from way out on the side, and he got he got more sacks a year than than I mean he got more sacks professionally. He was the first one that they uh, they weren't even recording it back then, but at this point I think he's number three for the most sacks in professional football. Deacon Jones. Deacon Jones. I, I remember the name. And he, as and he retired in seventy four, seventy five. I re- I remember him as a defensive end. Um, I, I do and, re- I do remember him. Go that those were my high school days, and um, yeah, and, and I remember the slap. And you can't hit someone in the helmet on purpose anymore. Actually, you can't. You can't do that anymore. No, that's mm-hmm. right. That's right. And um, we didn't and, stand and a chance. And a really funny one, way that I got around to that because I was thinking, God, I'd really like to bring this up, but what would be a funny angle? So I, you always ask for stump to Thompson. Here on wiki on the wiki page, I, I found that he was also chairman for AstraZeneca Pharmaceuticals in their National Hypertension Awareness Program, which wouldn't have jumped out at me except for the fact that we hear the name AstraZeneca nowadays in the news. Exactly. So anyway, um, I was in my storage looking to do a little investigation of some stuff I had to see if there's something I can use in my house, and I found this book, and um, it is... The Life and Times of Deacon Jones, oh, called wow. Head Slap. It's just, I happened to, I was out looking one winter's night, I was out looking to get a calendar, because it was I, I hadn't gotten a calendar, and I needed to pay, and I was looking at bookstores in the San Fernando Valley, where my family's from, and where I was visiting, and I went into a bookstore, and it was like, looking for calendars, but I couldn't find it. It was February. I figured I'd find a calendar in February. And Deacon Jones and his co-writer, John Clawitter, Playwetter, were having a signing at this bookstore. And my mother and I went in there, and we were like a quarter of the people there, besides Deacon Jones, the people that worked there, and his co-writer. It was just like a desolate scene. But So I got to hang out and talk to Deacon Jones about just stuff for a few minutes, and I bought his book and got it signed. And it's just like such an obscure little piece of sports memorabilia and i wonder i'm sure that you know the kind of crowd that's listening to this which is kind of a nebulous group of people that do and don't do sports and are big fans and kind of fans and not fans i bet that there's some obscure items out there that people would say are or aren't sports memorabilia that they have and this is one i'd like to start this line and if it doesn't take off it doesn't (laughs) but i just thought that there's probably other people out there that have weirder sports-related memorabilia than this book I have in my hand right here. Anybody my age, and, your your age, Burden, anyone our age, um, I knew of Deacon Jones because of his uh, be, being a, um, a defensive end that was dominant, which you don't hear that many defensive ends that are dominant. No, no, they're 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 I mean they're important, but like they don't generally do huge plays every game. Right, but this guy right. did. Yeah, yeah. This guy did at least one every game many years. Oh, yeah. For many years. Well, I, go ahead, Jer. Well, I, I was going to say, I, I don't know if this is weird sports memorabilia, but I have a friend who is was really in, who actually not was, is still very into professional wrestling, like the fake stuff, the WWE stuff. And 
he has a t-shirt of one of the so one of the things certain wrestlers would do they'd come to the come to the mm-hmm. ring they'd do their big show but they'd take their shirt off and just chuck it into the crowd he has a right. couple of those just from live events he's been to and he happened to be in the right place at the right time i i guess that'd be considered weird i i call that weird sports memorabilia uh, that's kind of weird yeah i've got had, i've got a, one since you brought up wrestling as a kid uh I don't remember him from TV or even that well as a neighbor, but a guy that lived across the street from us was a man named uh, Fred Fraley, and he was a professional wrestler that, that I saw as a, as a child. I saw him on TV. We, we watched it on TV when I was a little kid. Huh. And, so did I. and he lived right across the street, and when I saw him the first time, I'm told that when I saw him the next time, I said, uh, how'd, you get in the, how'd you get small enough to get in the TV? Because I was that, that young at the time. <laughs> and uh, uh-huh. I didn't ask him about black and white or anything like that, I, I assume. But um, I did have an interesting experience. I used to work uh, at, at the Ren Fair. I didn't get any, anything but the, the moment uh, in the 80s. And there was a guy there that ran a, a, a games booth, you know, the kind of booth where you, uh, one of the things he had was where you, you got a hammer, you try to blow that, uh, hit hit that bell way up in the sky by right, right. slamming down on <laughs> on the lever and stuff. And uh, he back in the day in in of wrestling back in the sixties and seventies, he was called the Alaskan. And one day I was running around doing these errands because I had kind of a, a, a funny job at the time. And this guy at what we called Ground Zero, which was like the back entrance to the Southern Fair, said, "Hey, will you get, run this guy up to the game hill? I can't get." that guy on the phone, and, and, and uh, this is his friend. He wants to come in. So I'm leading this guy up the hill. He said, yeah, what you doing? We're chatting each other up. He said, yeah, I've wrestled them all. He starts <laughs> naming the big guys of the time, which were like Macho Man and Hulk yeah. Hogan and stuff. And I stopped and I said, whoa, really? And I said, well, who are you? And he said, I'm Roddy Piper. Oh, so my Roddy goodness. Piper up That's... the hill, and he had shades on. And the thing that got me was, I mean, the guy is fit as a fiddle. The guy is yeah. just built like a rock. But he's about six inches shorter than I thought he was from seeing yeah. him on TV. I found yeah. a lot of athletes are like that. Let me tell you about a sports memorabilia piece then. Um, Jerry, this is yours. Do you know which one I'm going to say? Jerry has a special. I think you're going to say the fin, if I have the to fin, guess. right. Real, real quick. Yeah. I won't uh, waste too much time with this, but listen to this one, Burton. We used to go for about a month at a time. We'd go to Maui uh, from Jerry's birth all the way until he got into high school, and we couldn't take him away from school as much. So we went there 10, 15 years in a row. I was part of the initial wave of windsurfing, so I got to know some people, some of the professional windsurfers. Anyway, we went down to the beach where I would windsurf, and there was a guy putting his, um, his gear together who was also a windsurfer, but he was big wave surfer and I got Laird Hamilton to sign Jerry's fin. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got to take another call. We're running out of time here. You, you Thanks sure? Burton. Love okay, it. Bye. Hello. You call. You're on the air. I'm on the air. Okay. Enough yeah. for Burton for now. Yes, you. It's me. All right. Uh, this is for Burton, uh, about memorabilia. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in 1954, my dad came home with a magazine. It was the first issue. It had a beautiful cover, this magazine, and it had a picture of Eddie Matthews 
at uh, Braves Ballpark. Oh, yeah. Swinging at a pitch. Do you know what the magazine is? What's Illustrated? Sports Illustrated issue number one. Oh, wow. That is... August 16, 1954. My dad came home with it. Comes in a mailing envelope. Originally, they had a mailing envelope. It was encased. And get this. Years go by and years go by, and I'm at a flea market in Anchor Bay in uh, the Guadalajara area. And a friend of mine is selling a bunch of junk. And on the table is this issue, first issue in mint condition, in its mailing envelope. And I couldn't believe my eyes. I was seeing that wonderful first issue again. I bought it. It was $5. That's got to be worth a lot of money. took it to a sports memorabilia shop somewhere in Santa Rosa, maybe. He offered me $250 for it. (laughs) I did not take it. I still have the magazine. It's in my hand right now. You have a mint condition? It has a fold-out of Topps playing cards. Remember that? Oh, yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. I love it. I don't know what to do with it except give it to maybe one of my kids. Maybe I'll give it to Jerry. I'll take it. Does it have in the back of it, like on the second to the last page or the last page, did they start their like little trivia um, highlights in sports, it was called, or something? I used to go right they to They have the- uh, Last Laugh. They have cartoons on the uh, second, uh, the inside page or the back page. Uh, inside of that, it's no, it's got a tennis thing with Tony Trabert. It's got a horse article, but it's got all the ads. You know, it's oh, I love it. it's just beautiful First. to see the cover. It's a night game <laughs> in uh, Milwaukee, I guess, or, or Boston. I don't know who, who did Eddie Matthews play for. I don't know. Oh, and here's the price. Printed on the bottom right corner, on the front cover, twenty five cents. Oh, I love it! And this is I love the it. first ever sports, sports ever Illustrated. issue wow. of Sports Illustrated. It says on the cover, first issue. Wow. And fifty years later, in uh, two thousand and four, they issued a copy of that cover huh. with a gold frame around it. And I think I bought that one, too, and I have it. That's great. Uh, oh, I love it. So that's my memorabilia. It gives me shivers just to look at it. Wow. And, uh, Burton, I hope that's an equal to your head-slapping uh, Jones guy. <laughs> thank, oh, I love thank it. Thank you so I love much it. for that call. I, I used to watch the Rams in the old days in the L.A. Coliseum. Oh, yeah. And I, I'm old enough to remember Bob Waterfield, who was followed by... Norm Van Brocklin, who was followed by uh, Wade. I can't remember his first name. And where did Deacon Jones fit in with all these people? Uh, he came later, but Close I don't think later. he was a Ram. Deacon Dan yeah, Towler he... was a Ram. Uh, wow. T- Tank Younger, John Arnett. Do you remember John Arnett, the name? I don't. I don't. John Arnett was called Jaguar John Arnett. <laughs> And he deserved it. He was a halfback, and he returned kickoffs 
and punts. Wow. I'm going to take another call. That that was a Thank you so much. That's the, okay, you guys. I keep up it. the good work. That's the See call of the day right there. Call of the day. Adios. Thank you. Wow. Um, well, they just hung up. Anyway, um, <laughs> Burton, I told you, Burton, you usually bring up something that gets a call. That's a call. The first ever Sports Illustrated. I, I've been reading Sports Illustrated for years, you know, on and off. I, I've had subscriptions. I, I, I That's really? one of those things that's been a... It, it was such a just a staple of my life. It's like it's just been around. That's one of those things I never even, really even thought about that there was a first issue, right? Like it's just been around for so long. It's one of those things I never think about. There was a first issue of Sports Illustrated. Well, I have a theory that anything that came before you, you figure it was always there. And, right. Yeah. And so listen to yeah. this. Listen to this stat. The first one was according to to uh, that caller was nineteen fifty four. 8, 8 16, 1954. I was born on 2-26-1954. So the first issue came out right after I was born. My family had a subscription. It showed up every week. It wasn't every month. It was every, yeah. every week. Oh. Wow. Wow. Yeah, 707. It's, it's still a great magazine. 895-2448. We got about five minutes, a little less, if we because uh, we have to have time to sign off. Um, I can't remember. Oh, Burton brought up sports memory. Really? If you've got anything crazy, Jerry has a fin signed by Laird Hamilton. I think it's said on the fin, go big Jerry, something like that. Yeah. Something like that. I guess the only other piece of sports memorabilia I have, and this one's weird to me. I, I don't know why. Um, but I have a basketball signed by Michael Jordan that happened at, uh, at Michael Jordan's basketball camp. I, I guess and, and there's a couple kind of stories we get into this with this gym if if uh, if we don't get a call. But the weird part about that that ball to me is just like Michael Jordan was like a factory worker that day. He, every kid at the camp, hundreds and hundreds of kids, just got in line, and Jordan just sat there signing items. One of for the hours. deals. One of the deals Jordan had. Well, you, yeah, you, you also... I know it was part of the deal, but it was just bizarre to see like just this just this line of people just rotating through 600 kids yeah um and what made that special i found out was that was in the day after athletes used to run up to athletes and you get a signature and it would be worth something someday whatever but then they started selling stuff with with um with signatures on it and michael jordan would sign i don't know if you remember but he would sign anything you brought up there yeah. And everybody got one signature. And um, yeah. I remember kids brought their shoes up there. They brought their hats, whatever. Uh, well, and one of the items I remember, because this one I think was probably worth something, was there was somebody, I believe, who had a copy of, I can't uh, remember if it was Sports Illustrated. It, it might have been. But he had a copy of the, the, the cover of Jordan, Magic Johnson, and Larry Bird from the Dream Team, because they were the captains of the team that year. And Jordan's signature was going to complete the three because he had Bird and Johnson, and Jordan was going to be the third signature to get that on on that cover of I think I think it was Sports Illustrated, but I don't remember. I sort specifically. of remember that. I will bet you that kid had that planned out. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, 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 absolutely. A couple minutes left here, 707-895-2448. Give us a ring if you want to talk about sports. Just a couple minutes left on the sports phone. We've got about two and a half minutes left, uh, maybe a little bit less than that, uh, if Jim and I have to get some uh, housekeeping and business items out of the way. Uh, Jim, we don't need to go into this too much, but I guess the classic from your era, 
and I don't know if you have a short version of this, but including yourself, how many uh, friends do you have that you know that could have made a lot of money off of baseball cards as sports memorabilia if they hadn't got them all thrown out because they didn't think they were valuable? Almost every kid my age that likes sports. Right. And and everyone has a story like this, but my mom called me either in college or after I graduated from college and said, I'm cleaning out the little closet. You want anything in it? Let's take one more call. Hello, you're on the air. You got one minute. Really quick. Yep. My dad, when I was a kid, my dad had a gigantic baseball collection. Uh, He had every top set from 1966 to like 1990. Uh, Every, you know, he had books of like Pete Rose cards, Mickey Mantle cards, whatever. And so he held on to that collection up until the strike happened in 94. And so his collection went from probably six figures in value to nothing because of the strike in in 94. And so my dad was one of those people that held on a little too long to the value he had, which was a bummer because it was such a good collection of baseball cards, which... You know, is what it is. But, my mom, uh, my mom, I, t- I told my mom throw everything away, and I had lots of valuable cards. Yeah, sure. It, 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 it is to think that something like that could be valuable, anyways. But uh, it was always fun. We used to go to uh, you know major baseball card collection. Uh, Vince, uh, we gotta go. I'm, I gotta, and, uh, I gotta cut you, you know, off. Hank, Vince, you're yeah. the you're the heart and soul of the sports phone. We got uh, 20 seconds to get off the air. I'll talk to you next week. Get it done, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Vince. All right, uh, next week, Sports Phone Pledge Drive Edition will be uh, around raising money for the station. Uh, Jim and I have some fun stuff planned for that. Uh, Until then, we're going to wrap it up. Thanks for everyone that called, and we'll talk to you next week on Sports Phone. This has been a production of KZYX Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM, Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. You can check out our website at kzyx.org to find more content like this, and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thanks for listening.